Character builds. Everyone has them or wants them. We decided to do something unique where we added rules imposed on a character. Our goal is to provide fun builds, which may or may not be novel, uh, to fill an adventuring party niche. We call the segment Twisted Builds. Welcome to Dueling GMs. I'm Joseph. And I'm Anthony. This is a show for GMs and players. One about designs and details. Build a better role-playing community. Uh, let's get into the general character building rules uh, and then talk about our character. Great. So we set up a list of 10 rules and we're going to always abide by them. Rule number one, establish a theme, declare a concept, and impose a twist. Rule number two, all characters are level 10 using point by. Rule number three, all races and classes are acceptable without explanation. Rule number four, uh, all Tasha's optional rules can be used. Rule number five, no homebrew unless it's semi-official on D&D Beyond. Rule number six, multi-classing is allowed, but must follow requirements for ability scores. Rule number seven, no magic items unless the class somehow grants them. Any mundane items are allowed. Rule number eight, all subclasses can only ever be used up to a total of 10 levels. We want to showcase different builds this way. Rule number nine, established settings will be within the world we've been creating in our other workshops. We'll continue adding things to the world in future episodes. And rule number 10, these builds are purely for fun and quirky concepts. They may be somewhat optimized, but no guarantees. Today's twisted build, we have a theme. Uh, what was the theme we went with? We wanted to do fear builds. All right. So for those that, uh, I mean, probably all aware, but in case you aren't, uh, f fear or frightened is a, is a 5e uh, D, D condition uh, where I think it's uh, if visible uh, to the target that is causing the fear uh, you have disadvantage on attacks ability score or That's ability it. rolls ability and checks and attack rolls while the source of his fear is within line of sight and you can't get closer yeah you can't willingly which is potentially key depending on how we went with this build you can't willingly move closer to the source of your fear yeah yeah so let's dive in do you want to start us off tonight well, we'll keep with tradition. Why don't you start? Right, let's keep with tradition then. All right. So my uh, character, I went with uh, eight levels of paladin and two levels of warlock for my class and levels. Uh, the athlete background and the satyr race. Uh, ability score spread. We got a plus four in strength, uh, plus zero in dex plus two in constitution, uh, minus one in intelligence and wisdom, and a plus four in charisma. So, yeah, I mean, that's the, the basicness there. Um, Any, anything right off the bat uh, as to why you went satyr? Because if I'm thinking a fear-based paladin, uh, you know, Phil from Hercules is not the first thing that comes to mind. Sure. No, that's, that's fair. Um, well, 
a part of me, I know it's very, you know, fey oriented and I appreciate that. I guess I wanted the, the ability score spread was nice. Um, the extra movement, it's got 35 base, uh, walking speed. Okay. as uh, good. Uh, the, uh, I mean, just mechanically the other, uh, Two, two things that the Seder gets is the uh, Mirthful Leaps. So you can add a D8 and that becomes uh, the number of extra feet you can cover when making a standing jump. So I thought, you know, leaping into battle would be a little bit more intimidating. Sure. Um, and Magic Resistance, having advantage on saving throws against spells and other magical effects. So uh, that was kind of the, I guess, bread and butter in terms of the race choice. Uh, just having enemies like throw spells at you uh and we'll get into this but like combine with advantage with magic resistance and your uh, aura as a paladin uh i thought just really built up could build up like just the emotional fear even if it's not mechanical right uh of any spellcaster and then if you're dealing with melee people uh let's dive into some other aspects of this character so uh they're wearing uh plate mail uh so armor class of 18 uh so you know hardy in that sense um they are immune to disease and frightened uh they got the plus four on saving throws uh based on the paladin's magic aura, or i'm sorry their aura uh they have the uh, other aura. So that was the aura of protection, uh, the plus four on saving throws. Not just you, but, you know, uh, creatures within 10 feet. Uh, this kind of comes online with the aura of conquest, where uh, any frightened creature within 10 feet have their speed reduced to zero, and they take four psychic damage at the start of their turn if they're in that aura. Okay. Uh, so that's kind of the main uh, aspect there where uh, if they if there is a enemy that's close, uh, they're basically shut down and they can't move. Uh, they're taking damage. Um, and so they have a choice of trying to sling spells at you if they're, you know, uh, melee and they're trying to throw, you know, distance spells, then that's at disadvantage on top of saves being an advantage, you know, you got some nice scare tactics right there. Right. Um, the other, I guess, aspect, um, you know, just being a close range, uh, they got the great weapon fighting, uh, as their fighting style. So extra, extra damage, uh, just being up close, uh, obviously divine smites, uh, with extra, you know, radiant damage there. Their other, uh, channel divinity is guided strike. So, uh, when making an attack roll, you can add a plus 10 to, to do that. So, you know, nice thing. But the other one is also a nice setup here with this fear build. Uh, with Conquering Presence as an action, uh, you can uh, force uh, creatures within 30 feet to make a wisdom save, or they become frightened for one minute. Uh, they can repeat the saves at the end of their turn, but if you are doing this up close, uh, you could lock down quite a few targets uh, within sure. 10 yeah. feet and you know, build out uh, some extra psychic damage on each of them at the start of each of their turns. Uh, so that was kind of the paladin half. Um, 
So, you know, just as is, is, is pretty useful. Uh, the warlock side of things, uh, the two levels there, I went with the, uh, patron of the undead. Um, and I did that, um, for the main, uh, first level, uh, feature, which is the form of dread. So as a bonus action, you can, uh, sort of change your visage, um, and you gain some temporary hit points. Uh, but then on each of your turns, if you hit a creature, uh, they're forced to make a wisdom save. And if they fail, they're frightened until your next turn. Um, so this is where uh, you become immune to the frightened condition as well. Uh, I could use this four times per long rest. So um, it lasts, like I said, lasts for a minute. So, you know, your typical combat fits in that time frame. Uh, and using it four times for long rest is nice, but then, you know, a couple extra attacks now, potentially they could be frightened and now they're not moving. They're taking that psychic damage from your aura. Um, so it really, you know, keeps a lot uh, locked down, uh, though that wasn't the point of the build. They're all frightened, right? So sure. uh, now they want to leave uh, <laughs> because they're you know, frightened and, uh, but they can't because they're stuck around you. Right. Uh, you know, taking attacks at, uh, disadvantage against plate mail is pretty, it's a nice setup there. Um, and then I think I just went with a second level warlock for, uh, the agonizing blast and, uh, devil sight invocations. I thought, you know, though, the focus is melee, you know, that that's always the weakness of a melee character is not being able to, you know, uh, have range, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, so I thought, you know, with those two uh, levels of Warlock there, you know, pick up uh, Eldritch Blast, you know, classic go to, but give it that extra plus four damage with Agonizing Blast uh, and just give it some some range there. Um, and, uh, uh, and then, you know, the devil side is, is fantastic for most, you know, dungeon combat, so to speak. Um, now, can, can I offer another alternative? Yeah. I'm all ears. Um, and I think maybe we've had this conversation before on, on which is potentially more useful, but instead of agonizing blast, if you were to use the grasp of Hadar, mm -hmm. um, then you know one person you're attacking, you could pull them back into your aura, which would force them to not be able to move again, and then That's take true. that take that additional plus four damage that your agonizing blast would have done anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um... That's uh, a possibility, but it's only I... it's only once per you know, shot obviously, or once, once per turn instead of agonizing blast would apply on both shots. Yeah. I went with, uh, as my second cantrip, I went with lightning lure, uh, though the range is a lot shorter. If that 35 feet movement isn't enough, uh, this holds someone within 15 feet of you. Um, so I thought, you know, that should be, your mid range, you know, you're looking at what 35 and 15, sure. uh, 50 feet there. Um, 
you know, from where you're starting off, which, you know, should be most mid-range combat, 50 to 60, I would say. Um, but if it's like, you know, things afar, uh, why not just pluck them and not expect them to get close? Yeah, you can maybe pull them 10 feet, but I guess I, I reserve that for more like, uh, you know, you're shooting wyverns or dragons that just don't want to land. Uh, pulling them 10 feet probably won't do much, but yeah, I definitely see a potential value there for sure. Um, but that's kind of why I went with the second one of like, uh, it's a backup. Uh, you know, it's kind of that middle, middle of the range one. Right, so. right. But, eh, why not? Um, the main first level spell, um, and I'll pull up the details here so I don't um, miss anything here. Um but the main first level spell is Wrathful Smite. Uh, so it's a uh, next time you make a melee attack, uh, it adds a little bit of extra 1d6 psychic damage, uh, but then they make a, a wisdom save and are frightened as well. Uh, so if you run out of the form of Dread, uh, this is a nice backup for still using some spell slots. If they, um, if they made their save against your aura then you know which one you're targeting yeah you with get your that. wrathful smite yeah yeah so between the form of dread and the wrathful smite you, you might be good there uh to keep them locked in your aura for sure um but uh again you know you have things like um let's see with this particular paladin uh you have things that are always prepared such as armor magathus which you know good but not po- the point of this build uh, command so you can get someone to approach uh, also might be useful for those you know ranged individuals uh whole person uh spiritual weapon i thought was a fun one for a paladin having it always prepared mm-hmm. uh, just as a nice backup uh a backup one there and then i mean for for a good paladin or a cleric that can sometimes become their ranged weapon you know, you yeah. can say focus on melee and then just your bonus action. You're taking care of all the things further away. Yep. yep. Uh, and then the other uh, kind of main one that I picked was uh, fine steed. Uh, so if you really need to get around uh, oh, and I'm sorry, and then cause fear as well. Uh, that was a warlock based one. So a few different ways of getting fear. Um, but uh, the other nice thing is you get two pack slots that you can use for smites. Uh, those come back every short rest, so also a nice plus there. Um, and then Compelled Duel is another good one, I thought, for this particular one. So uh, yeah, they that's, can't. That's the one I'm looking at, at now. I feel okay. like that's that's like a fantastic stack with the frightened feature that says you're not allowed to willingly move closer. Compelled Duel says you're not allowed to run away from me yeah. at the same time and it kind of locks yeah. them in they can't like they're getting disadvantage on attack rolls against anybody other than you but if yeah. they try to they try to move more than 30 feet from you then you know it just forces them to not move at all yeah yeah uh certainly could be used like that and i think it's a fantastic way of, of doing it uh the other just alternative would be you know uh bring them in like lure them in and then be like oh welcome to fear town you know right you thought it was just gonna be you and me and you are right but now you're stuck here congratulations 
and yeah, then at that point they're like, I, I can't leave. I can't, I can't run away. I can't stay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I guess if they're that close at that point, whole person is probably even more effective, but sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. Compelled duel just doesn't seem to get used a whole lot. Uh, and as a bonus action, it seemed like at least potentially a, a build that may get some use out of it for once. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, yeah, let's, let's toss that in here. I kind of like that. So, um, you know, you have a few other ones, uh, you know, some other, like, I don't want to say basic, but you know, the standard ones that are built into sure. some of the classes, but those ones were probably the main focus in terms of, uh, spells. Uh, of course, you know, smites are always great. And if, you have, you know, if you have them kind of locked down, uh, the, the fear is to kind of prevent them from doing much damage, but this isn't necessarily a build for, you know, stacking, you know, not stacking, but like, you right. know, keeping advantage on, on for your own attacks, but just sort of saying, okay, you're here, you're with me and you're not going anywhere. So enjoy the ride. This is one thing that I do remember really appreciating on uh, the new Pathfinder system that came out was uh, you could do intimidation builds uh, that mm -hmm. created fear. Um, fifth edition doesn't really do that. So you have a plus eight to your intimidation, which is really nice. Um, but at the same time, there's nothing really built into the mechanics that allow you to, to make use of that um, or to make an intimidation check rather than, you know, uh, yeah, against their DC or something like that, which is kind of how Pathfinder uh, runs with it. But yeah, I, I could see, and I, I think the the new edition of Pathfinder would be fantastic one to try to look at doing a fear build because I would imagine you can maybe make some, some even better use out of it than what we've done today. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, and you know, listeners, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there is a not it's a contested intimidation versus insight, which is kind of unique. Uh, just, I guess, see if it's a vague threat versus a legitimate, uh, you know, uh, I guess a legitimate threat. So, uh, if you see through it, then you're not as intimidated, I suppose. Right. Uh, but you know how the GM wants to, to roll with that or how, if it's more than just RP and the mechanics is, you know, you know, use your action to try to intimidate them. You know, are they feared for a round? You know, do they do anything? Do they drop their weapon? Um, you know, different options, I guess, but it is a little more hand wavy in that sense. Yeah. It, it almost requires a little bit more, uh, a homebrew, you know, house rule types of things. If you really want to make a build like that. Yeah, I mean, which is fine, but then at, at the same point, though, you know, if you're already in combat, I wouldn't want to give up an action to intimidate uh, if I could, you know, use Form of Dread and then two attacks to potentially lock down two targets. Right, um, right. And, and I think that's what I remember because um, I had a, a character that was a like a rogue ruffian so not only was he doing sneak attack whenever he was able to do that he could like glare at the person right next to him and say hey you're next and that person has to make a check against intimidation or yeah. they have you know penalties for the entire next round yeah. 
just as like, you know, basic, basically like a bonus action is like a reaction that you could automatically do once per round or something like that. And you could heighten your intimidation skill so that when you did it to one person, it did it to multiple people all at the same time. So yeah, there, there's some nice ways of stacking that. We'll have to maybe do a, a little uh, pathfinder deep dive at some point and brush yeah. off those rules. We haven't, right, yeah. we haven't touched those since the, the game first came out and we were doing the play tests and stuff like that. But um, maybe do a compare and contrast uh, episode at some point. Uh, that sounds fun. Um, yeah. So I, uh, skill wise intimidation was one that, you know, is kind of the focus there. Uh, perception persuasion, uh, you know, for when you don't want to intimidate everyone, uh, athletics, acrobatics and stealth to help offset the, uh, uh, the plate mail. Uh, disadvantage there um tool proficiencies uh i have just well i have vehicle land and water uh so he's kind of like you know again not run-of-the-mill in terms of background he was an athlete so uh, you know i guess i'm picturing this satyr again not like phil from uh, <laughs> uh but definitely more like you know uh sharpened horns uh uh, not Sith like, but you know, it's like that. Is he looking at me? I can't tell because his eyes are on opposite sides of his head. Right. Uh, you know, but uh, you know the 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 clad, you know, onyx armor, so to speak. Uh, you know, with the horns sort of sticking out. Uh, I don't know. It just nice. seemed like a yeah. Like you know, it's not tiefling horns, but. It, could be close. It's not devil horns, but again, could be close. So, right. And I think there's a few uh, fiends out there that definitely are part goat. Um, yeah, this, uh, I'm not sure if if edition has has this creature, but there's one uh, called the Ab- Abercondalu uh, that is basically like a stator. More, more like Phil, like a, a portly, uh, satyr type of demon. Yeah, I imagine there's at least one out there. But you know, with with a undead uh, patron, uh, you know, I'm sure the form of dread could come off as uh, much much worse uh, than the usual. Oh, that's also a Pathfinder creature. I'm not sure if if D and D has ever had that, but they're wrecker demons. Okay, but yeah, they're to... they're like horned hunchback creatures with rat tails. So yeah. th- think think like Seder meets uh, um, Peter Pettigrew from <laughs> from yeah. Harry Potter. Yeah, so I'm I'm sure there's one I have to brush up on my you know my lore there, but uh... oh, and you're bearing the lead uh, on one of the coolest things about the paladin that everybody takes for granted and doesn't really talk about. Uh, tell me about this charisma plus 12 saving throw. <laughs> All of your saves are ridiculous because of your, you know, your plus four yeah. at this point. I, I was going to jump back to the saving throws. Cause again, worth talking about there, but uh, yeah. So uh, you, are, you with- are with, with the plus 12, you are virtually immune to things like banishment, which is nice. Well, Anything yeah. that requires a charisma save. Yeah. And so, all right. So paladins get uh, proficiencies. Uh, did I start with the 
I think I started with a warlock. Uh, no, no, I started with paladin. Uh, save wise, charisma, wisdom. Yep. Uh, so, um, yeah. So you get those proficiencies there. Proficiency plus four. Um, but yeah. So, uh, plus four. Uh, bonus of saves. We're looking at strength being a plus eight. Dex a plus four. Con a plus six. Intelligence plus three. Wisdom plus seven. And charisma plus twelve. Uh, not to mention advantage against saves or against spells and other magical effects. Uh, so I thought, you know, that was part of the intimidating thing. You know, you're throwing banishment, you're throwing, you know, other things. You're trying to, you know, get them out of here, lock them down, you know, paralyze them, have them turn on enemies uh, or allies uh, with wisdom saves. And they're just like, no. Uh, so yeah, that's, that was yeah, kind so of, the I've never thing. looked at this list before. I was pulling up the list to see what else besides banishment. Cause that was the one that came to mind immediately. Bane is a charisma save. Um, things like force cage, uh-huh. uh, dispel evil and good planar binding. There's a lot of planar related things that require charisma saves, which is an interesting concept to me. Um, because the planar binding, plane shift, uh, banishment, all of those are, and even like magic circle, keeping things uh, from other planes on one side or the other of, of the circle, they're all charisma saves, which is yeah, kind of kind of interesting. But yeah, those those things you would virtually be immune to. And then you know, wisdom saves. I mean, you know, charms almost as much. Yeah, plus seven on that one. Almost every type of uh, enchantments. Well, and so you've got a wisdom save of plus seven, even though your wisdom is actually minus one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's ultimately what you need wisdom for, right? Wisdom saves. Yeah. It's pretty much if you're not a wisdom based caster and you're not really reliant on, you know, perception. And, and I do, I did add uh, proficiency in perception. That's true. So, you know, it, then you, again, you really have it covered if you're not, if you're not a cleric or a druid. Yeah, I pulled up some of the other wisdom saves. So, uh, you know, pretty much every enchantment uh, spell. Anything but, mind uh, affecting, really. Tech thoughts, dream, uh, eye bite, uh, ironically fear. Um, yep. Hypnotic pattern, imprisonment. So lots of lots of goodies there. Polymorph. Yeah, even like sanctuary. Like if someone's trying to like defend someone that's locked down next to me. Right. I have a chance on getting through with that uh, yeah, and, and even your i mean your strength save at a plus eight that's that's really the big thing with the paladin is is they can almost negate people saying no you can't do that and the paladin pretty much says yes i can right i i do what i want you're not my real dad yeah yeah and i thought you know again that fear thing of like why why aren't you dying yeah and it's like <laughs> i am more than a human i am an idea as uh b <laughs> says yeah yeah uh and that's that's pretty much to go to you know like and that's sort of frightening and uh, again other aspects of like i'm doing what i can i'm throwing everything that i got at you i'm trying to do things to you but it just isn't happening you know and again advantage on all those things too so you right know, plus plus what two to five uh extra bonus there so yeah, it's uh, it's pretty good. 
So I, I think that's it for mine. Um, okay. Standard clad and armor type individual here, but uh, locked down. Let's uh, let's jump over to you. What do you what do you got? I have the most ridiculous, stupid build I think I've ever made. At love least a, of one that I would still love to play. Like yeah. I've made dumb builds and I looked at it and I'm like, eh, I guess I accomplished what I was trying to do, but it's not playable. This thing is absolutely playable. It's equal parts like terrifying and hilarious at the same time. Do you so, hate yourself as much as or as much as it is playable? Um the fact that it is playable. It, this is definitely the type of the type of build I think that you would get bored playing with like the base concept and you would have to figure out ways to amuse yourself while also understanding that everything you do with this build probably is going to piss off the GM and your fellow players. Okay, let's hear it. <laughs> All right. Uh, because you, you know me on, on most of my builds anyway, that like, uh, Party members are collateral damage and they're acceptable collateral damage. Uh, so this was not really that much different. So let's see. We'll we'll work backwards a little bit here. I did uh, one level dip into Warlock, which was technically my 10th level. Um, and I also went uh, undead, not to be confused with undying, because uh, that one sucks. Uh, undead uh, for the same reason that you did give me the the form of dread as the the bonus action but being immune to frighten is also nice and the temporary hit points you know is is a, a nice bonus too but it gives me four of those forms of dread but that would almost be like a fallback if i absolutely needed to because this thing has so many different things you can do with your bonus actions like uh, usually you pull up that bonus action section on your on your character sheet and you're like, well, it says two weapon fighting. That's about <laughs> it. I got maybe one spell. I have to scroll to find all of my bonus action stuff on this build. So, yeah, so so the warlock. But that was it. The other nice thing that this gives me uh, access to and I'll I'll talk about how this is helpful um, down the road a little bit is uh, I've got two cantrips. Booming Blade and Green Flame Blade. Um, and I took Arms of Hadar, uh, which if you're not familiar with, with that spell, um, it does 2d6 damage, uh, necrotic damage, and uh, forces the target to not be able to take reactions on anybody that's within 10 feet of me. Uh, so it's like a radius spell, 10-foot radius, kind of like your... Uh, your aura there uh, and they have to make a strength saving throw or they're, you know, they're taking the damage and can't take reactions until their next turn. Uh, so again, that's kind of just a, a little thing. The, you know, the basic one that I would be going for for sure is Bane. Um, and with only one, one pack slot, uh, that's probably what I would be casting is, is Bane uh, to give them a whole bunch uh, up to three creatures, negative D four on their saving throws. Uh, because if we're doing a whole bunch of fear stuff, we want to make them actually be af- afraid. And so what better way to facilitate that than a negative D4. 
The next step in this path was probably the stupidest one. Uh, and that was six levels in monk. Uh, specifically six levels in uh, the way of the long death monk. And all six of those levels, I could say a whole bunch of stuff about potential for uh, the martial arts die, you know, movement speed, armor class. But I'm going to tell you, uh, you guys up front, um, I am wearing plate mail armor and I'm carrying around a glaive and a mull. So like the the armor fighting style, not really all that helpful for me. Um, honestly, I, I actually did unarmed fighting style um, with my dip into fighter, which we'll get to in a minute. Uh, so I actually have a, a D eight on my unarmed fighting anyway, even though I don't think my, my monk level is even high enough to give me a D eight on the dice. So uh, in more ways than one, the monk was completely worthless for me, except for the fact that six level for way of the long death, you get a fantastic ability that I need to find. It's called the hour of reaping as an action. Each creature within 30 feet of you that can see you must succeed on a wisdom saving throw or be frightened of you until the end of your next turn. Every creature within 30 feet as an action, no limit on how many times you can do this during the course of your minute, day, lifetime, whatever. Uh, it just, it, this character could literally just walk out into the middle of every single combat and frighten every single character on the field is it key based or no oh huh. just you use your action and that's it okay that's that's the entire thing and that's where i i said this is a lot of collateral damage because you could also take out half your party members sure uh but i mean they're frightened of you so they're not necessarily going to have to willingly move closer to you and theoretically, they could position themselves in ways that they can't see you anymore and therefore lose the frightened status. Uh, but they'd have to kind of go out of their way to make that work because this character does not seem like the type of character who would care to help them in that fashion. So you got your form of dread. You've got your hour of reaping. Uh, but since you are uh, a monkey, you might as well take advantage of your stunning strikes. Uh, right. And even if you're using a larger weapon um, and doing the stuff that you get access to with uh, Tasha's cauldron uh, where you can have a dedicated weapon, uh, that type of thing. Um, the, the, the nice upside of having a bonus action, uh, you know, to, to do flurry of blows or just a free bonus action, you know, unarmed strike type of thing is nice. But again, there's so many other things this character can do with the bonus action that that may not ever really come into play. So that's that's the monk. Legitimately, like the walking speed bonus is out the door. Armor class bonus is out the door. Uh, I did give him a plus three to the wisdom. Uh, that was one of the hardest things with this particular character was actually being able to squeeze in the stats so that it fit the multi-class requirements. Because... Oh, sure. Because I also needed to have my charisma high enough to have the one level dip into Warlock. Uh, uh, are you proficient with, with, you said you were in a plate, right? Plate yep. mail? Plate mail. Because the first, the first dip 
that are the first level that I actually took was three levels of fighter. Oh, okay. So I actually uh, have my strength and con saving throws um, as proficiencies, and I have proficiency in all weapons and all armor. Um, My three levels in fighter gives me, uh, obviously, the things we've talked about before with fighter. Uh, You get your fighting style, which I did unarmed fighting. And if you aren't wielding any weapons or a shield when you make the attack roll, which obviously wouldn't be that hard to either drop the weapon or, you know, put the weapon away uh, and not wield a weapon, then, you know, it's a D8, which uh, I don't think that ever happens for uh, for the monk martial arts die until I want to say level eight, something like that. Uh, So you'd have to go with our parameters you'd have to go almost your full build before your monk martial arts die goes to a d8 or you can just or you can just take an unarmed fighting uh style and and get it right away uh, level 11 actually oh wow that's right because it starts at a d4 d4 d6 yeah because it's their it's it's when what they get it at fifth to a d6 is that what it is levels a d6 yep yeah, so it's their equivalent of upgrading their cantrips. Yeah. Fifth and eleventh. Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, if you I would say uh, anybody who's playing a monk that is not necessarily going to go very high up in the campaign or very high up in their monk levels, take a dip and pick up the fighting style, unarmed fighting, and you can you can do a D eight damage on your first level instead of waiting till level eleven. Uh, free tips yeah and i mean that's the whole point of us doing 10th level builds instead of 20th level because most campaigns don't go that high exactly yeah so we figure out workarounds we figure out ways to actually make characters that make sense and are viable and yeah um so yes that's the fighting style also got the second wind and the action surge those are things we've talked about before right um but the like where this this build goes from just being dumb like just cause everybody to be afraid and then do nothing uh but laugh um it really starts getting more interesting because at third level with the fighter i went echo knight so now as bonus action i can manifest a like a shadow uh echo of myself anywhere within 15 feet of me uh, it, anytime I take an action, uh, it can also choose to take or take an attack. When I take an attack, um, I can bonus action, move it. It can take opportunity attacks as if I was taking opportunity attacks. So anything running away from me might run past this guy, which means that it could actually get to take opportunity attacks based on it being afraid of me. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a whole bunch of, of weird stacking stuff that this uh, it gives me, in addition to just the the specific ability, once uh, once per long rest, uh, at least at this level, whenever you take the attack action, you can take an additional melee attack. I think that's what the the base one is. Is when you attack, you can either attack from your space or the echo space. Um, but then once per long rest, whenever you take an attack action, then you can take an additional melee attack specifically from, uh, the echoes position. 
Um, and it counts as potential as actually an ally. It has one hit point, but it's got 18 armor class. It's immune to all conditions, all that sort of stuff. Um, and it occupies a space. All those things mean that it also can trigger flanking. Um, if it's right beside you, you know, you know, across from, from you or whatever, or you can have it halfway across the battlefield. As long as it's within 30 feet of you, it stays. So that's where the build just gets ridiculous in terms of what can I do? Well, the question kind of is what can I not do? And it, it is presumed to basically have the same weapons that you have. So whether I'm doing unarmed stuff with stunning strike, uh, whether I'm doing the, uh, hour of reaping, I, believe and i'd have to look into the details but i might be able to trigger even the hour of reaping uh if for some reason the the creature can see something that i can't because each creature of thir within 30 feet that you can see or if they have if they're within 30 feet of somebody and i'm not that they could trigger it uh potentially depending on how you read it there's so many just ridiculous stuff so um, Something that I read, uh, I think it might have been Sage Advice, uh, but the Echo, and this might actually benefit you, uh, but the Echo doesn't count as a creature, it counts as an object. Uh, yes. So the one thing that it doesn't oh, do So it may, you, not, it may not actually trigger flanking. But what it does do for you is with your hour of reaping, it won't be affected. I don't know if it's specified conditions that it doesn't work with it's, but it's immune to all conditions okay okay i was gonna say if it's not then it the hour of reaping specifically says creatures so you're right. good there um but okay sorry continue continue no, that's good uh, and yeah you're right it probably wouldn't necessarily uh trigger flanking the same way the uh, familiar would or something like that uh the other thing is a bonus action you can do with your echo is swap places mm -hmm. uh it it costs you 15 feet of your move and your bonus action, but you can swap as well. So if for some reason you're getting swarmed, surrounded by too many people, because even though it's got an armor class of 18, that was basically just because of the, the plate mail. Uh, I didn't feel comfortable with the low constitution that I have, which I'll get to here in a second, and my plus three wisdom and my plus one decks uh, to really get me through this. Because I'm sitting at 57 hit points at level 10. Yeah, that's like two good hits. Yeah. So I, I didn't go through the stats yet, but strength plus two, dex plus one, con plus zero, and intelligence of minus one, and then wisdom and charisma to plus three. Um, so, yeah, it, this guy is definitely the type that if he isn't locking people down and doesn't have escape hatches, he's not going to really last all that long. Um, that's the biggest downside and, and really honestly one of the things that makes him so intriguing to me as a possibility to play of like you can build things that are so overpowered that you know nothing can stop you or you can build something like this that is so dramatically flawed but at the same time unless they can get through to your flaws like nothing can stop you uh it's it's like achilles right you know the the greatest warrior ever but then if you you know flip him in the back of the foot then he you know cries like a little baby yeah, yeah it's just a matter of getting to that weakness for or sure. discovering it in the first place yeah 
Exactly. Let's see. So with the plate mail and not having the unarmor movement, um, his walking speed is actually a 20. So that may make him the slowest monk in the history of D&D. What, what, what was it? The plate mail that dropped it 10 plate, feet? Plate drops you by 10, I think. Yeah. Uh, I am not certain because it doesn't actually tell me this just like looking at the, the walking speed here. Like it's based on your strength score. Like if it's a fourteen, then it doesn't reduce it. Like you, it, it may be. It may be that. Well, I've got a strength of a fourteen. Oh, okay. Don't remember then. But yeah, I, I'm not entirely certain. Oh, it does uh, actually want a strength of fifteen. Apparently. <laughs> Thanks um, for playing. But so dropping. So dropping the plate mail would give him armor class of 14 uh, and a walking speed of 45. So it's just a matter of whether I want to uh, get hit less or, yeah. you know, move so faster. Why did you go with the unarmored fighting style if you carry around what weapon? Because you have booming blade and... The booming blade uh, and... Um, yeah, both of those is an option uh, with a glaive and a maul. Uh, yes. Honestly, because... Um, How many makes sense, but then you also went with the unarmed fighting. So why did you go that approach instead of something else? I, I knew that the majority of any melee attacks I was going to take, and I'll, I'm getting to the final step in this entire build because I haven't told you the race yet. Um, okay. The... the vast majority of any uh, melee attacks that I would be taking with this character would be as a bonus action, which means they would be as martial arts, like unarmed fighting strikes. Um, So the other ones were almost like if I ran out of my bonus action types of abilities, Um, but between the, the monk fear ability and my actual ability to basically literally scream at you so that you can become terrified. Like that's going to be taking up the majority of, I would imagine the majority of my actual actions. Um, That ability comes from the fact that this character is a gem dragonborn. Okay. Um, This is something relatively new from Fizban where they added the, the gem ancestry. Uh, and I went with uh, Psychic, uh, so the Emerald Dragon. That was mostly for fun, but I, I figured that that um, added to the whole fear-based thing uh, if his breath weapon was actually a Psychic attack. Hmm. Um, so the, the basic breath weapon is you know fairly standard for dragon ancestry you know dragonborn stuff uh it's a deck save 2d10 psychic damage yada 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 one of the things though that they change with fizzban is uh the ability to uh do your breath weapon a certain number of times per long rest uh and that is equal to your oh a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus that's what it is so my fault constitution modifier is just what the saving throw is or saving throw dc is okay, so, so dc dc is not uh impossible to overcome by any means on, on that but it's not it's not terrible yeah so four times i've got access to that but i'm not even really using the breath weapon for for this i am actually triggering a feat uh called dragon fear 
So uh, it increases your strength con or charisma by one. And it says you can expend a use of your breath weapon trait to roar, forcing each creature of your choice that can hear or see you within 30 feet to make a wisdom save. And in my case, it's a DC 15. Uh, on a failure, the target becomes frightened of you for one minute or until it takes any damage. And they repeat the saving throw only when they take damage. Outside of that, I don't know that they take uh, another saving throw for that minute. And I'd have to double check on it. Sounds like a saver suck situation there. Right. But for a minute, that's a long time. They're um, out for combat unless you punch them in the face. Correct. Which means you could you know, very strategically choose who you're dealing with at a time. Yeah. And, and it's not a cone. It's not a line like all the other uh, you know, dragon breath weapon stuff. It's uh, your choice. Uh, each creature of your choice that can hear or see. They don't have to be able to do both. As long as they can hear or see you, it affects them within 30 yeah. feet. It's weird because it's a roar, and if they only see it, that's that's just weird to me. And maybe if they're deafened, then yeah, they still see it. I'm yeah, not sure. Yes, it just looks terrifying. So, so this has been around since Xanathar's Guide, Dragon Fear, and nobody has really cared about it as much. But with the expansion of being able to use your breath weapon more than once per short or long rest and you have a certain number of uses per day now or per long rest, suddenly the dragon fear thing becomes huge. It goes from once, a, I guess once a day to your proficiency amount per day or per long rest. rest well, yeah. Roughly a day, but yeah. Yeah. Depending on what you're, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, no. I, I can do that four times and if it's locking down even 50% of people in combat and that one, I can choose who I'm targeting. If it's locking down, you know, 50% of people, 75% of people, maybe even in combat, then yeah, your party can, you know, whittle people down uh, yeah. quite a bit. Go the other half and come back to that. Right. Take out the and, and that's, that's without even using. So you just kind of start combat with that. And then you just wander into the, you know, off to the edges and do the, the monk ability with the fear and lock down all the people who are, you know, on the outskirts somewhere and then let your allies deal with all the, the main people in the order that they want to deal with them. And you've got your, uh, all of your bonus action stuff then for whatever you want to do at that point, flurry of blows, the form of dread, the, the one thing I did and the manifest echo, all the echo related stuff, all of those things are uh, and even just the free unarmed strike. If there's nothing else I want to do to unarmed strike uh, all bonus action related stuff. Um, also as a bonus action, I can manifest wings for a minute and I get a flying speed, which means that uh, one of the things that it makes this character quite a bit more squishy, their hit points. Uh, if I have a flying speed, I can still affect things that are 30 feet around me, but you know, I can also be 10 feet above them while this is happening. And then only ranged weapons and spells can hit me as opposed to, you know, big brutish, you know, great sword wielding, uh, paladins of conquest or something. Right. Uh, so yeah, that, that was my get out of, you know, get out of danger, uh, sure. type of, type of thing and uh, i mean the fun thing is if i'm manifesting an echo 
of myself while I have uh, while I have the wings. Uh, technically, that thing can move in any direction anyway, based on the looseness of the description. But then I can teleport to whatever any direction it's in, and I'm not going to die yeah, because I have a flying other. speed and can hover, which okay. is nice. So even things that would like knock things down that fly, the hover prevents that. Uh, so it's super useful. Uh, that's once per long rest, but again, uh, that's not going to always necessarily be required. Um, so that fixes a lot of my hit point problems. And then the walking speed issue of 20 feet, I can always, if I need to, uh, use step of the wind. And so I can technically, uh, you know, use a key point and I can go 40 feet, which is still far less than if I were just to take off the stupid plate mail. Yeah. Okay. So Does there's a lot of opportunity for that character, and I feel like it would be a lot of fun, but you can see how all of those things would potentially get really annoying to the GM to try to figure out how to actually design encounters so this character does, does just lock everything down and make it not fun for everybody. And then, yeah, how, do, how are the other players at the table going to react when there's you know, a 50-50 shot of them potentially also being out for you know rounds at a time? Yeah, or at least exactly. sucking for rounds of time at a time. Yeah, I feel like this is another, like, I, like I, maybe ironically or, or what, but this is one that again I feel like if both the the conquest paladin and your monk, your fear, you know, based monk were on the same party, like that would actually be pretty good, right? Not not because of the lockdowns, but you know, if you're going to cause everyone to to roll, uh, you know, for fear, at least anyone around the paladin is going to be fine. Right. Um, yeah. If you yeah. have the immunity, then. And and the immunity, if if in the form of dread, yeah, yeah. Um, well, uh, at what point do you get? Oh, it's not this. It's not this paladin, is it? A lot of the good oriented paladins actually at some level uh their aura grants immunity to fear uh, but i don't think yours does does it uh it's a good i think it does i just don't remember i think that's or i guess f uh frightened condition whatever the case is but i don't remember shit 10th level which i oh because you multi-class you didn't quite get there that's what it was yep i went with dishing out fear more consistently yeah versus getting that and i'm like i could also get it with the warlock so right but if we were to to double up on those characters then yeah going just straight 10 levels and just saying telling all of your allies stay close to me let the let the freak do his thing and you know, as long as you'll stay you know more than 10 feet away from me then he won't terrify you as much as he i know that he actually does yeah, so it sounds like your character could definitely like just be on the outskirts or even if you teleport in the air, even if you don't have your wings, you have slow fall, right? At fourth level, you get that. The, you know, That's you, true, you don't, yep. So don't I could teleport up in the air and then somehow without... <laughs> I'm in the middle of nowhere and somehow can just like flap my dragon wings that don't exist so i don't take as much damage when i land and then you just lock yeah, down six levels so i can reduce my fall damage by 30 there you go 
Um, and then I guess you would uh, do that. I mean, you could just do that every round, right? Like, because it's just the it la- the fear lasts for an, one round, right? Or uh, yes, for that one, you would have yeah. to like re up it every round. Yeah, but that's still pretty cool. The, then, the dragon, the, the dragon, dragon fear is for a minute or until it takes damage. Okay. So that one is a very much more powerful one, but it's only got the four uses per long rest. Yeah. Where the other one doesn't really have any sort of tracking on it. Yeah. So there's just so much like to this one, but the base thing is just walk out. say I'm going to use my action. Everybody that I can see make, make a saving throw. And that's the entire ability every single time. And when you're feeling generous, then you do the uh, dragon. Right. I figured I, you start that way. You take you take out half the the battlefield. Your allies know who to target, and then you can start you know being a little more uh, you know specific. And if if they're you know if you're basically doing mop up duty, that's when he can walk in with the glaive or the maul and start just wailing on things that are at disadvantage, you know, uh, on anything it's doing with the. And he's not getting a. No, I guess he does technically do two actions or two attacks per action because he made it past fifth level monk. Yeah. So no. even then, you know, attacking twice with, with the, uh, the glaive or the maul, he doesn't have a great attack bonus. He's only a plus six and only got plus two on his damage, but attacking twice and then potentially doing, you know, you know, flurry of blows or something like that. He theoretically can dish out a good amount of damage if he really needed to, but that wasn't the, the build at all. Yeah, I was because you had a low con. Is that the reason you just went with the plate mail for the high armor class? So low con and low decks. Like I had to, uh, I had to stretch everything out. I had to give him a high enough strength uh, for the fighter. I had to give him a high enough charisma for the warlock, and I probably could have gone a little lower on charisma. Uh, but then anything charisma based that I was doing, like the bane that I added, it would be worthless. Like maybe I could have had, you know, those three points back to reallocate to, to strength or con or something like that. But I'm not sure that it would have made a ton of difference in the long run. Yeah. I was just thinking like, if, if you just didn't have great armor, but because you had such mobility then, because you said it went up to like 45 feet. Yeah, it was up to 45. But again, if if I'm moving at that point and triggering attacks of opportunity, my hit points were still not going to be improved. Yeah. And, I, and I the likelihood that. of me getting hit was four points easier from, you know, 18 to a 14 at that point. Right. right. The mobility doesn't necessarily matter if you get punched into oblivion as you're running away. Well, thank goodness for your echo then, right? You just teleport out of there and then you right. run. And that's, well, that's the thing. I can teleport out of there and it doesn't trigger an attack of opportunity when I make the swap anyway. But I was thinking like, you know, you, you run in a little bit, you do your fear with a lot of them and then you get out of dodge with at least disadvantage or you teleport and then get out of dodge, you know? Yeah. Well, um, and, and with that teleportation thing, the even if the echo is kind of surrounded a little bit, it can take the 15 feet of movement and then you can teleport where it knows it's clear, that That's type true. of thing. And so like, even if both of you happen to be surrounded, it can move 
sure, if this, something wants to try to take an attack of opportunity on a shadow creature running away, then go for it. It's going to take one hit point of damage, disappear, and then I can use my bonus action to re make it reappear anyway. So yeah. it, it uh, definitely was designed to be the type of thing of, yes, you can, you can easily kill it, but it's just going to show back up. Right. So yeah, right. I, it was it was interesting. Like I said, I, I would I would be curious to play it at least once or twice and see how annoying it got to everybody at the table, or whether it actually was a you know a fun build to play. But it, like it definitely was one of the dumbest. You know, a lot of times I get in my head of what if I did this and this and this, and you go and do it you're like no, that doesn't really work. This one did. And I still don't know if that was for good or for bad. Right. Right. It's like, well, I think I did a thing. Uh, let's and find out. It, I guess the, the one additional fun thing about this build that I didn't mention was, uh, I think again, because of the, the dragon. Yeah, the gem dragonborn. What more can you add to a fear build than telepathy? So mm. telepathic messages to any creature you can see within 30 feet. Yeah. So locking people down having them terrified and then getting the voice in your brain just to like rub it in. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Telepathy's always like that because you know, you don't necessarily know where it's coming from and it's like, oh, ah, who's there? Yeah. I thought I was running away, but the voice is getting louder. Uh, nice. I like it. It's, it's unique. I'll give it that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know how long he would last. But but yeah, I mean, if, if you're locking down 50 to 75 percent of the battlefield so that they either can't do anything or anything they do is a disadvantage. Well, you got a much higher chance of survival. And the sure. rest of the party should be able to, you know. Wail on them. This would not be the type of character that would be good as like a, a solo boss or like a mini boss or something like that. This wouldn't be the type of, of character that works against a party uh, because you're taking all of your actions to make them afraid, but you're not dealing damage. And as we've established, hit points suck on this. Uh, right. But this would be fantastic cre you know, type of type of build to have and then have a whole bunch of spiders come crawling out of, you know, the, the woodwork or, you know, even just like goblinoids crawling all over the place or the the black puddings that we that we generated a few sessions ago uh have all of them come out anything to start swarming the party uh and you know taking attacks that they normally would easily hit and to you know watch the terror in their eyes realizing that even these little things that i normally have no problem with now i'm struggling and I can't even wade through them to get to this guy. So uh, that's where you'd have to, to, you know, play that as the, as the NPC, you know, monster type thing. But uh, I feel like it would work well in a party of other adventurers, as long as they were doing their part and you just, okay, I got crowd control. Everybody else don't let me die. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, crowd controls, like you said, like not good against, or not good as a as a mini boss, but also I feel like it's not good against mini bosses as well, but very great against just crowd control. Yeah. 
yeah, there's so many, many, many boss types of fire full on boss fights where they're immune to frightened or immune to charmed conditions or that type of thing. And so, yeah, you're, you know, your saves the day crowd control character suddenly becomes a liability because <laughs> they're sitting there flipping through their sheets saying, I don't have any damaging spells. What do I do? I'm out. I got nothing else. This We're is, fighting this... an archfey and everything I do is either illusion or it's charm based. Right. Yeah, I mean, with with fear builds, obviously, that's the one trick pony that we we're going with. And right. uh, yeah, if something's immune to fear, then well, I will. That's yeah, that's where you uh, sprout those spectral wings and just nope on out of there. Yeah. Awesome. You, you had summon summon steed. You could probably do the same thing and just ride off into the sunset. I'm here to fight. No. Well, okay. You can't, can't do fear. I'm out. Bye. I'll see you guys at the tavern. If you make it. Exactly. That's, uh, that's how it is. I feel well, like this was, this was definitely your, yours. I think was more viable in general i think but like you said with the fear exclusive type of of build you have the opportunity of maybe just now i'm a really weak fighter but i can still maybe accomplish something i feel like this was maybe the the first real risk reward type of build that i've that i've talked through yeah 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 i think with with mine i mean it they could still throw you know uh they could land a hit they can still might with their attacks i guess um they just won't have that extra battlefield lockdowns around them you know right. like orange dread then it would do nothing it would give him you know extra temp hp um which is a, a, a bonus with any fighter really but uh yeah with the uh both the conquest paladin uh, you take away the fear and you're just left with a uh, an empty shell of a paladin, I guess. Right. With, you know, plus seven and plus 12 uh, saves there, but, you know, yeah. still can't uh, get affected by magic too much, but. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, you're, you're kind of a, a, a weakened fighter. You have a little bit of spells available. You still have your smites, yeah. which, you know, you never want to sneeze at that. So, yeah. But yeah, without the without the fear, or if something's immune to fear, that's the other nice thing, though. If you're fighting stuff that's immune to fear, you're not often fighting an entire group of things that are all immune to fear. Right. And, and you know, if they're immune to fear, you realize that in the first round, the second round, you just start using all your smites. Right. You just, yeah, upcast all your smites and put them down faster. Exactly. Say, so, well, the only thing that uh, you know is uh, immune to my fear is those that are dead. Right. Awesome. Yeah. So I think that those were those were both some some fun ones there. Um, if you all have suggestions on either, hey, I really like the stupid build idea, do more of those, or hey, can you figure out a way to optimize this particular class or this subclass? Uh, we really are uh, kind of challenging ourselves to uh, 
to dip in and, and try lots of different subclass builds. Um, we've been tracking off on the side uh, our our usage. Maybe uh, at some point here down the road, we'll we'll walk you through our, our current stats and and which uh, levels and classes we seem to take the most of. And um, it's been it's been interesting so far just to see the breakdown. And we found that there are certain classes that have a lot of intrinsic value, I think, as uh, multi-class dips and then other ones where you really have to uh, lock in for a longer period of time before you start to really get the, you know, the benefit of them. Would you say that's fair? Uh, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And I, I just something that I've noticed is, you know, with 10th level builds, uh, I, I, you know, I'm doing like four, six a lot. Yeah. Uh, if, if I am multi-classing or eight, two, uh, if I don't want to dip into a, uh, another subclass potentially, or just for an extra little flavor, like this one was a eight, you know, conquest and, and two, uh, warlock. Um, yeah, I, I think a lot of the time builds revolve around, um, four, eight and 12 because of the ability score increases. Um, but then you have, things that are three because that's when a lot of them get their subclasses. Uh, and then certain ones are, you know, five or 11 because you get your additional attacks or your cantrips upgrade or whatever. So there's a couple of different thresholds and, and 10 is a weird one because only certain classes get, uh, I think the paladin is one of them at 10th level, get really cool features added to them. You know, other than that, 10th level for a lot of classes are just like you unlock an additional uh, like spell slot level or something like that. Something pretty simple. So 10th level was kind of an interesting spot. You don't get to your level 11 because I think builds change a lot at level 11. Um, you know, your warlocks can now Eldritch Blast three times. Uh, your cantrips are actually even more viable because you're doing 3d6 or 3d8 or whatever. Um, and there's some other classes that also get, you know, class feature types of things at, at 11. Uh, so that makes it, you know, nice. Uh, and then nine is just weird. Uh, but yeah, so, so 10 makes it, 10 makes it interesting. Uh, and again, it's just a split 50, 50. Once you get up to like 13, then you start getting into the ridiculousness of all the upper level features and the upper level, um, yeah. spells. Yeah. And, and at that point, a lot of your, a lot of your stuff really kind of pivots on how quickly do I get access to stupid things like wish or, you know, the simulacra or clone or something like that. And all the builds end up kind of revolving around those types of things. So we wanted to kind of focus on what makes the core of the, the classes and the subclasses unique and how do you get cool things out of those without using admittedly broken abilities or broken spells you know to get there yeah but yeah well uh we'll dive into those stats uh you know in more detail another time but, yeah we'll, uh, we'll knock a, a couple extras out of the way both of us are I'm, I'm looking at it now and we haven't recorded all these but both of us have about 80 levels worth of uh class and subclass allocated right now so yeah um and it's a completely different split so even uh kind of shows you the the difference in our approaches which is kind of cool yeah nice 
Uh, we'll, we'll have to maybe knock out a couple more and then just do a little mini episode talking through, you know, what we've learned about the, the builds so far and how our, our splits have come out. But, Sounds good. Yeah, I like it. Cool. Well, until next time. All right. Have a good one. Thanks for listening. See ya.